So number 94 of the Average Man Podcast. I have a bit of reverb going on in the background. I'm not sure if I can sort that out. Look, welcome everybody. Episode number 94 of the Average Man Podcast. Legalize it. Now, the reason I chose that song in particular is because today's guest is uh, none other than the Dr. Good Dr. Matty Moore uh, of Dunsborough. He is a GP down there, and he's also an authorised prescriber of medicinal marijuana, medicinal cannabis. I think they they prefer to use that term. So we got into it, had a really good chat today about, uh, yesterday, two days ago actually, about um, the state of medicinal marijuana, cannabis in Australia, uh, where things are at, what he does, the kind of people he deals with and prescribes for, where we think these things are going to go in the future, and and just um, went into some of the ins and outs of it, and hopefully some questions answered that people average people like myself who are kind of watching from a distance and very interested um, uh, are wondering and hopefully some people who maybe yeah, maybe this is something that applies to you um, perhaps as, as a um, you know as a treatment and you could um, take some get some information from this and, and look into it further and definitely looking for some more support or from the general community around the place about this because yeah in my opinion it should be illegal uh, recreationally but definitely specifically we should be getting as many people who need to try medicinal marijuana medicinal cannabis um, uh, onto it as possible and hopefully get some of the ba- more barriers broken down so it become more uh, easily accessible for, for people as well uh, I won't carry on too much um, all the information is here in the podcast kick back sit uh, uh, yeah, sit back and listen to it. Now it's been a little while since I've had a, had a guest, and we did the whole Zoom thing, which can be a little stop starty at times. But I think it went pretty good. Uh, I was really trying to watch my language through this one that I didn't, you know, just use the wrong terminology and make it sound, um, yeah, like a like a dreadlocked um, pothead talking about weed because it's not really what what this was all about. This is about um, the medicinal marijuana side of things and where it is in the country and this, um, yeah, getting a, the insight from a really knowledgeable guy who's on the right side of the, the, the fence um, and I think it's going to be on the right side of history when this thing all plays out as well. Uh, so anyway, without th- further ado, let's jump into this podcast, episode number 94, Legalise It with Dr. Matty Moore. Here we go. And we are live with episode number 94 of the Average Man Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Maddie Moore. So welcome, Dr. Maddie Moore. Dr. Moore is a GP from Dunsborough. Uh, you're a registered prescriber of medicinal marijuana. I first heard about you through a friend of mine um, who said to go check out your Instagram page, which I did, and saw you doing some really cool and interesting things on there and sort of went down a bit of a rabbit hole um, following you know, just the, the where the state of medicinal marijuana is in Australia at the moment. It's just something that's been a bit of a, uh, a passion of mine for a while. Um, and then I checked out a podcast that you were on, the Canter podcast, uh, recently to get a bit more of an overview yeah. of what's going on and hear your point of view in long form. And um, 
it was really, really super informative. Great podcast. Those guys really know their stuff. They're obviously really emerged in that whole They do. They're, they're excellent dudes. Yep. They are. And um, just uh, 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 straight off the top of the bat, this is not that. I am not as educated and informed as those guys. It is as as advertised the average man. Um, but there's plenty of people like me out there who are, who are really interested in what's going on and would love to hear about it. So did I get all that right? Yeah, absolutely, buddy. It, it's an interesting space to be in, so there's lots to talk about. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Cool, mate. Brilliant. Now, um, the registered prescriber, that's how that works, is it? There's, there's not a lot of you guys kicking around at the moment who are, who are actually registered to, to prescribe medicinal marijuana. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I think, you know, right now, as it stands, when I started as an authorized prescriber, there was about 60 of us. Mm. And I think now there's about 200. Um, So medicinal cannabis has been um, certainly uh, since its inception in 2016, um, you know, it's been steadily increasing month by month. There's been increasing SASB portal applications and, and authorized prescribers as myself. So, you know, there's, there's um, more and more folks that are benefiting from the medicine and, and increasing applications from GPs and specialists as myself. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's, it's an interesting space to be in, um, being from the, the States and, and coming from, you know, uh, a much different system coming to here and kind of waiting and, and, and checking out, um, how things were going to be done here. Mm. Um, you know, it's been, it's been in, incredibly motivating and, and fun, uh, as, as a therapy to be a prescriber. And so, yeah, man, it's, been, it's been uh, a great thing to do. Really on the cutting edge of it, that is that would be really exciting and, and motivating and something that you really believe in. Um, imagine that gets you out of bed in the morning and in in you know whatever 10, 15 years time when all the chips um, fall, you, you know to be to be able to say you're on the cutting edge of this thing uh, in this country specifically will be pretty cool. Um, it is so great, you- man. You know, as, as as a doctor, you know that's what we get into the game for is to help people, and hmm. and I think this is an incredibly space to be in right now, even though it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a different therapy. There's a lot of bias to overcome initially. Mm. And, and, um, I, I take it upon myself to try to educate people on the way. So yeah, it's been, it's been a blast. No, that's, that's great. And it's great to have people like yourself who know what they're doing, who've got practical application experience now going around and, and really um, uh, flying that flag rather than just that dudes that look like me who've uh, got a different, a different background in, in life. Um, but it, so you've mentioned that you're from the States, Texas, is it? Is that correct? That's right. That's right, man. The Lone Star State. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And obviously um, things are working differently over there uh, than they are here. So what brought you to Australia and how, how long have you been over here for? So I came over in 2011. My, my wife had travelled Australia quite a bit um, in her younger years and and always appreciated WA and Southwest WA specifically mm. and always was in my ear about it. And so um, we... Uh, we came over um, with our 10 month old at the time uh, after me being, you know, after residency in, in private practice and, and, and decided I had a buddy in Townsville who was an ED consultant and um, really opened up the, 
the avenue for me to come to Australia. And so we, we hopped on it and came there to Queensland initially and, mm. um, and then moved West and, and here we are in the promised land, man. It's great. We love Southwest WA. Yeah. You are in a, a beautiful part of the state there. Um, yeah. Gorgeous down there. A little bit cold for myself, but we do love to visit there, especially during the, the summer. Um, so, it so man, it is. Yeah. Yeah, so you've been here sort of around about 10, 10 years. Uh, and again, very different over here the way Australia is is handling things at the moment. But can you explain to us currently where things are at, how the process works of, of say, if someone was to, to, to be prescribed medicinal marijuana specifically? Yeah, sure, man. Absolutely. Well, it, it's a it's an unapproved medication that we're able to access through applications through a specific portal called the SASB. Um, and initially, it was it was for GPs to prescribe along with specialists who approved of our um, prescribing and and um, wrote a letter for us to, um, to do so. And then in 2018, we we're able to do it on our own. So, um, you know, that's, that's when, you know, when I started to do it, um, you know, not, not exclusively, um, but because of, of the positive results and the anecdotal evidence that, that I had through a few patients, it really motivated me to do what I'm doing today, which is, you know, in, increasing those patient numbers and really trying to, um, help people access that alternative, alternative medicine. Um, and you know, it's not for everybody, you know, certainly it's, it's, um, for certain indications that the TGA allows us to prescribe for Mm -hmm. and only when, um, conventional therapies have failed or the conventional therapies have had side effects. So, you know, it's, it's a, a pretty exclusive, um, you know, alternative therapy, but for those few patients, um, that we're able to do it for, you know, I think for the most part, it's, it's very helpful. We're not, we're not helping, we're not healing disease. You know, we're, we're treating symptoms. We're improving quality of life. And, but for the most part, we're, we're treating, you know, chronic pain, um, psychological, uh, you know, indications like anxiety, PTSD, depression, um, and also those, uh, you know, unfortunate cancer, uh, folks that have, you know, symptoms where we can help them like anorexia, cachexia, where they're not, where they're not gaining weight, Mm. um, you know, or, or having really significant symptoms, from their treatment. And those are the top three indications that we're prescribing for across the nation. So, um, you know, those, those are by far the, the majority indications that we're doing it for. So it's, it's not for everybody. It's for an exclusive indications and those that have failed therapies. Yeah. Okay. So I did, I did want to ask you, um, about that. It's definitely not at this stage. It's definitely still I guess more of a, would you call it a last resort it's, uh, for, for the way they have it set up? Um, you have to prove that you said traditional medicines aren't working or have negative side effects. Is that quite difficult for, for people to do? Well, look, I know, I know there's a lot of people that would like to access it as a first-line therapy, but mm. the reason we can is that we just don't have the data. You know, over the last uh, century with prohibition, you know, we, we've not been really allowed to worldwide to use this medication or even use it in research. Mm. Um, and so um, because of that, that void, um, a lot of, 
a lot of those medications for something like chronic pain, opiates and, you know, benzodiazepines and, and, and neuropathic medications like Lyrica have come into favor, um, where, where cannabis, you know, may have been helpful. Um, so it, it's, now that it's the the World Health Organization has has deemed it not dangerous, and then you know Congress and other other world governing bodies have recognized cannabis as as not being a scheduled medication anymore. Mm-hmm. We're able to to you know do the research and collect the data to to someday hopefully have it as a first line therapy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great that that things are starting to move in in the right direction as well. I know Australia is typically. Um, slow in in uptaking certain certain types of new movements um in general we like you know that especially wa you know they call us the nanny state over here very precautious <laughs> very cautious take a lot of precautions about things but it's fine it seems seems like things are moving in the right in the right direction now and it seems like you say it's anecdotal at the moment but as more data comes in there's really good data and uh, coming back and good results people are getting so uh, it, it looks like everything's going to keep moving in the in the right direction which which is really great for a lot of people. I think so, mate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's lots of lots of studies going on. Um, you know, quality of life studies certainly. As as um, we've recently had the down scheduling of CBD and and being able to um, have it over the counter. Um, you know, those those companies that are providing CBD um, and and those with CBD and THC, we're, we're getting those those studies. Um, done so that we're able to um, have it over the counter. So it's, you know, baby steps. Uh, eventually we'll, it'll open up. I think at, at some point, um, you know, who knows, we'll, we'll see it um, open up to where uh, there's much more uh, greater access. Now you mentioned this then about obviously CBD and then, and then medicinal cannabis. So, and there's some differences there, especially between non-psychoactive or or THC-free CBD. Now I read recently that they were thinking about, uh, it was CBD itself, non, uh, you know, THC-free CBD was going to be perhaps available over the counter at some stage in, in, in Australia, that was a decision was going to be made earlier this year. I'm not sure which way that swung. Um, if that, if that is. Yeah, correct. That's yeah, but, but yeah, no, that's right. You're, you're absolutely correct. I think, um, you know, it was a little bit of, um, it was, you know, the, the decision was, was made and then ever the media hopped on it. Mm. And um, the studies haven't been done in order to to prove its safety and efficacy. So all of those all those companies are doing those studies in order to make it over the counter. So a little bit of a, um, a you know a quick start there, uh, which yeah. the media said, oh yeah, it's 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 over the counter, but it's not it's not yet over the counter. We've got to do some work there. So, so that would be specifically companies would need to get their product approved by a governing agency to then be able to sell it over yes. the over the counter at pharmacies, and that could take a couple of years going through trials and things like that. Is uh, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so theoretically, mm-hmm. that doorway is open, but there's work to be done before that actually hits the shelves and, and people are able to to go and, and get hold of that over the counter in Australia. Which That's would be right, just, brother. Which That's would just right. be, be great because the application for CBD mm-hmm. is much more wide ranging, really, isn't it? From things like you know 
mild stress and anxiety and inflammation and um, helping people sleep and all sorts of stuff. So uh, something like that that's not a yeah. A I heavy think of, drug. Of, the, of the two, you know, cannabidiol is is probably um, the more benign and more helpful and more indications mm. that it might treat. So yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, a bit, bit more of a broad brush there, and maybe more people will feel like that's their their cup of tea. Um, which is, yeah, it'd be great to see something like that. That's not so such a harsh uh, medicine that people can use and get real benefit from. You know, like so people who yeah, have, I agree. Yeah, joint inflammation and existing um, problems that you wouldn't quite call chronic pain, but it's something that they bothers them. They live with quite often. That people don't want to take anti-inflammatories or especially um, any opiate-based painkillers if they can avoid it. A lot of people. So it's great that this. In the future, um, you know, on the horizon, there's going to be some other options available for them, which is pretty pretty exciting. Absolutely. And and, and, and up until recently, it was the same process to get um, THC free or low THC CBD as it was for medicinal canna- cannabis. Is that correct? Pretty much the same process. It is. Yeah. Same so it process. Is. Yeah, so it's really opened the door a fair bit once that once that all comes into to play, which is really cool. Yeah, once once they get those preliminary studies done and they prove that at a certain dose, you know, one hundred fifty milligrams, I think was was the um, the ruling. Um, once they you know see that it's efficacious and there's not side effects, and you know they prove it for certain indications, um, then it then it's free game. Yep. Yep. And out in the field there, I suppose a lot of people who are thinking about um, uh, medicinal cannabis and what does that mean and what's that mean for the people who are going to be taking it, what kind of people are going to be taking it, people would think probably probably a different kind of um, uh, patient group than what you're actually dealing with. Um, most predominantly, uh, and thinking about some of very, those, very those true, yeah, thinking about some of those, uh, those illnesses and, and problems that you were speaking about before, you're probably looking at an older, an older, um, patient range. Is that is that right? Not really what people would. That's expect. true, man. It, it, it was a bit surprising, you know, that um, at first, you know, I was very very hesitant to to kind of step off the cliff, you know, because we we do so much work as physicians to you know. Uh, do the right thing and and take care of our patients and build up that reputation. Mm. Um, so you know it, it's 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 uh, a bit of a challenge uh, there to to get it done. But you know I think um, w- once once I've seen the anecdotal evidence, it's it's pretty convincing. So yeah, and is it quite often um, the patients themselves who are very um, cautious going into this as well with the, some of the stigma and, and, and bias that they've probably had and heard about through their entire lives or are they sort of quite often at that point in in their illness uh, where they really just want to try something that's going to work for them and they're pretty open to it or is it a bit of a range? Well, I think, I think you know, it, it really depends on, on um, their history and, and course um, a lot of folks are at the end of the line, you know, where they're, they're really reaching out to try to, to get anything for that, for that last, you know, quality of life. And for the most part, you know, um, I'm seeing patients that are over 60. I, I initially expected them to be, you know, counterculture and, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking, looking for their, um, their cannabis, but for the most part, it's people that are cannabis naive and have never, have never really experienced cannabis. So I was, I was a bit surprised, you know, it's over 60 age and, and, um, you know, for those, for those patients with mostly chronic pain. Yep. 
Yeah, so chronic pain is a, a big one. What now? What it is? What is actually what is classed as chronic pain? Is that that's something that's specifically diagnosed by a doctor as chronic pain? Um, is that is that a, a, is that a fuzzy line or is it a fairly defined line? No, I think it's in any pain that that you've treated or doctors have treated with other things that that haven't been successful. So, you know that that's um, you know uh, rheumatologic pain where you're it's autoimmune. Yeah, you've got wear and tear pain like osteoarthritis. You've got yeah. neuropathic pain where where there are nerve impingements and nerve type pain. Mm. Um, you know, post chemo and and um, you know sciatica type things. Mm. Um, you've got your, your chronic pains like, um, fibromyalgia and, um, you know, endometriosis and migraine disorders and things like that, where things haven't been so successful to be treated. And again, another, another group is, is cancer pain, you know, um, that's, that's intractable and, you know, unable to be treated by other things. Yeah. Yeah, living with chronic pain, there just couldn't be anything. Well, couldn't be many things worse than that. Um, so yeah, it's 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 pretty broad, my friend. It's pretty broad. Yep. Uh, what about the use of? I think specifically, I don't know, but what I've heard and read specifically, CBD with the treatment of of kids with the the seizures. Like, is that something that you've had any any experience with? I have. Yeah, I have. Like, you know, one of one of the first patients that I was, um, you know, had the pleasure of taking care of was, was one that had, um, you know, uh, resistant epilepsy mm. and had, had not been doing very well, had gone through multiple medications, um, that had worked for a, a period of time, but then didn't work. And so, you know, they were, the, the family was at a loss and wasn't meeting their milestones was very, um, delayed developmentally. Was it speaking, and so they had um, accessed through a family member some oil from, I think, Canada and um, brought it over. And from one day having 150 seizures a day to not having any whatsoever, um, you know, it was it was an, an, an enormous benefit to that family and, yeah. and that young one. So, you know, that that made a, a huge impression, you know, on my mind um, to be able to to see that difference for them and that, and that little guy. And, you know, he started talking and started meeting his milestones, went back to school, was, was really a normal kid. And and that was just a huge thing to see and be a part of. So from that point forward, I've, I've had, you know, probably a dozen or, or so, um, similar kids with, uh, you know, different diagnoses that had resistant epilepsy, um, who had, who met, who have been on, you know, uh, conventional medications, um, come off of them or stayed on them. It's just, it kind of runs the the whole gamut of, of that type of treatment. So it's been a real pleasure to, to take care of those kids and see such a difference. So is that, what's the deal with, with the, those, um, the kids that have that, these, um, seizures, is that, is that what that is pretty much all the time resistant epilepsy? Is that what that sort of is diagnosed as? Yeah, you know, those, 
th- those those um, seizure disorders that are resistant to conventional therapies, and and a lot of them have gone through every single medication, yeah. and and it hasn't helped, and then and then they get to cannabis and it works. So it's one of those things we don't know a whole lot about yet. Why why these kids are having this, and 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 is it it's a neurological um, um, problem? Or? It is. Yeah. No. We we know we know the cause. Um, it's just that the therapies haven't been successful. So there's, there's, there's about, you know, probably half a dozen to a dozen different diagnoses or, or causes of that epilepsy or seizure disorder. Um, but those, those conventional therapies and those medications that, um, typically treat those haven't worked. And so we're able to then, um, use cannabis as a therapy. That's crazy that, that, um, I know it's great. And a lot of the data really comes out of, of Canada. Mm. Um, University of Saskatchewan has been a, a, a huge, um, you know, research uh, institution um, that have that have done you know multiple studies on those different types of seizure disorders, and have been able to use cannabis, um, you know, in a randomized you know, placebo controlled way, not huge studies like we'd like to see, but certainly initially, um, some really good data to start, to start those huge studies that, that, um, you know, big medicine is, is, um, looking for in order to, um, treat these with cannabis. Mm. Mayor Canada, that's, um, they're just going hell for leather over there, aren't they? It's a, they've opened it right up. I, I, um, I didn't have my finger on the pulse with that when that came, when that was announced, I think it was maybe 2016 off the top of my head around about then I was blown away that, um, I didn't realize they were right there. Cause, um, you hear about obviously in the States, it's opened up slowly with, with States approving medicinal cannabis use. And then they had a couple of States went for recreational use and it's kind of been some States not jumping on board. And then it kind of, kind of Canada came out of nowhere and just, just opened it right up, which was um, really they surprising. Did. Yeah. Um, real front runners in that. So it's, um, it's pretty interesting mm. what's going on over there. It is. Um, so w- what, what's one thing of, read about um would be dosage when it comes to medicinal cannabis because it's typically mm-hmm. been yeah it's hard to it typically and historically been hard to to uh, measure dose when it comes to if it's if it's flour specifically i suppose oil would be a fair bit easier so what are what's the the way that people are, are being administered the medicinal cannabis in in australia and and what's the sort of the dosing that with that are, are people actually feeling the effects psychoactive effects like they're feeling high or is it more of a just a feeling of well-being and, and an alleviation of pain or is there a range in in how severe their their, their condition is yeah, well, there, there's a lot of different methods of delivery for cannabis, you know, on top of flour, um, you know, there's oil, there's sprays, which, you know, you spray in your mouth and, and are absorbed by the oral mucosa. You know, there's wafers that do the same thing. There's, you know, capsules that you take. Um, so there's oil? topicals. Yeah, and oil, um, you know, by far oil is is our most prescribed Um method of delivery just because of its long duration of action and it's, it's, uh, you know, safety. Yeah. Um, but there are other, other methods. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, gummies also. Mm. Um, so I don't think there's too many topicals yet in Australia. I don't think there's any topicals yet 
um, to be uh, approved, but you know, that, that's, um, that's to be determined, I think, but, um, for the most part, oils are, are mostly prescribed and, um, are, are pretty well tolerated. You know, the side effect profile is, is, you know, not, not very high. Mm. You've got, um, potentially obviously dizziness, sedation, um, uh, you can have, uh, changes in, in bowel movements, um, some nausea, Mm. And, and, you know, based on THC, you know, if you, if THC really is, is the, the culprit, so to speak in, in side effects. So some, sometimes THC can tip you over and those that take it for anxiety, for instance, can have increased anxiety with too much THC. Yeah, right. So really our, our mantra is we, we start low, we go slow and, mm-hmm. um, and really start for the most part, we start kind of in the middle of the road and, and start with a balanced oil. And, um, you know, based on, on that, we see how they go and we, we either increase the THC or decrease the THC. There's not really any hard and fast. Um, it's, it's a trial and, you know, we certainly try to tease out, um, you know, our histories and, and medication use, um, uh, you know, blood thinners and, and how their kidneys and liver works and, tr- mm. and try to, to, to match them with a, with a ratio that might best fit them. But certainly every system is different. Yeah. Um, it can be hard to predict sometimes, but we, we try to, we try to see who's, who's had cannabis exposure so that, so that we know if their endocannabinoid system has been, you know, primed, so to speak. So, um, you know, it's a little bit of trial and error, to be honest. And, and we're very careful, um, certainly in our, in our kids, in our geriatric patients because of pharmacokinetics. So it's, it's hard to, to really have a cookie cutter, um, you know, uh, way of doing things. Mm. It's, uh, uh, it's a little bit of um, trial. You, you mentioned there about uh, the endocannabinoidal system being primed. Is that is that a thing? Is it so people that use or have used cannabis in the past are, are more receptive to it? Is that how that works? Is that what you mean? Yeah, you know, any any medication that your body is exposed to, hmm. your your um, your immune system and you know central nervous system makes receptors for that um, compound. It's very much like a lock and key. And so when, you're, when your body's exposed to cannabinoids, um, you, your systems make those receptors and increase those receptors in order to fit those, um, those keys into the lock. Mm. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's very important to know in, in patients. So, for instance, those with chronic pain who have, who have had a lot of cannabis exposure, we have to start with a higher ratio um, of THC, for instance. So it's really important to, to know that. Yeah, right. Okay. That's interesting. Um, uh, with the use of flour in Australia, is that happening? Is that, is that, you said oils, oils, the most common. Yeah, there, there, there are more and more flower prescriptions being written. I think, um, you know, there, there are a few companies in Australia that are, that are producing flour and there's a lot of Mm. import. Um, so, and and there are certain indications where flour is indicated. Um, it's certainly not our first choice. Um, you know, we're, I'm in WA and, and WA health prefers us to, to use flour for, I mean, oil first before flour. Yep. Um, but it, but in, in conditions where there, there are, um, you know, breakthrough pain, for instance, where they need a little bit of an immediate 
pain relief, flour is very helpful. And, yeah, and, right. and again, in cancer patients, flour is helpful. And, and those that need a little bit of an appetite boost. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there are, there are some very helpful, um, means by which cannabis flour can be helpful. Um, yeah. And that would be a vaporizer for that, would it? So you're not yeah. ingesting smoke. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if, if you look at vaporization versus, versus smoking, you know, vaporization is, is much more healthy, you know, because you're not actually combusting the plant and combustion causing those carcinogens. Yeah. So if you have a choice, you know, vaporization is much, much more favorable. Yeah. No, I know there was a bit of a malarkey that went on over in the States, particularly last year, the year before about, about vaping, particularly with um, tobacco. And I think mm. from reading the culprit with that was, was, certain companies not being um registered or, or really upfront with what they were using to mix that that um to mix the the nicotine with the oils and things that they were using and that really was what was the causing harm for, for people who were using vape pens and, and things like that. Yeah that's so correct. I think, I think the vaporizing and, itself know, is vape- fairly safe. Yeah, you know, we're, we're vaporizing flour, you know, their vaporization of oil, um, you know, there, there's not availability in Australia and, and not recommended. I mean, vaporization of flour is what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, and with with a, ingesting the oil then in, say, a capsule, um, is it when, when you ingest THC or, or cannabis, does your liver process it differently and create a different chemical out of it? Is that what, is that, I've heard that I've read that before that, that when it, when your liver processes it, you get a different reaction um, than when somebody says when you smoke it, is that correct? Is that something that you, you know about? It's not, it's not, it's not exactly different chemicals. I mean, it's just very different than, than inhaling. Um, because you, with, with inhaling, you get a, an immediate response, um, because that hits the bloodstream much quicker. Yeah. Whereas it, with ingestion, you're, you're going through the gastrointestinal tract and then it's, and then it's absorbed yeah. and then the liver processes that. So it takes time. That's, it's, that's really the big difference. Yeah. Right. And there is a different effect, you know, you're not going to get, um, that, that high really with, with, um, you know, liver and GI pass. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's different in its onset of action Hmm. and the way it affects people. Yeah. Right. All right. Cool. Um, so I, I did see that you, you mentioned, uh, on one of your recent posts about price pricing in in australia at the moment which is sort of up there at the moment do you want to fill us in on where we're sitting with all that at the moment yeah sure man um you know it it is a it's a it's a pricey therapy no doubt about it it's one of the first things that i talk to people about because you know you want to you want to let people know what 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 they're expecting and and what they can expect over over the course of their therapy so, um, you know, people, people can expect to pay at least, you know, $5 to $15 a day as it, as it is right now. Now that those prices are coming down and recently a, a company here that, that produces cannabis medicine in WA called little green pharma has lowered their prices, um, you know, considerably over, over the last week. And so I think that's, that's going to be occurring with all companies and, and certainly, you know, over the next couple of years, the, it will be much more affordable. 
So, you know, I do let people know that, that it's, it's not cheap and that they need to, to be able to save. Um, and, and another, another way that they can reduce their cost is some private insurance companies are, are rebating um, their, their medicines now. And, and one of which is HIF, um, one, one of the highest rebaters. Um, in, in addition, a, th- a third way they can lower their costs is by enrolling in one of the research studies um, mm. for those quality of life studies in order to get those CBDs over the counter. So that, that will help patients reduce their costs. So there's, there's ways in which they can, they can see it to be more affordable, but in general, it is a pretty pricey therapy. Yeah. Yep. And then down the line, the possibility of, of that getting rebated when things get um, approved on a broader scale. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So let me ask you a question, Maddie. Um, five yeah, to man. ten, five to ten years from now, where do you mm-hmm. see the the medical cannabis, medical marijuana industry in Australia? And then mm-hmm. in your wildest dreams, where would you like to see it in five to ten years? Well, look, I, I think over the next five years, the medical cannabis industry is, is going to uh, increase exponentially. I mean, I think you're going to see multiple, multiple companies come into play where they produce it here on Australian soil, mm. um, where they're growing plants and extracting and producing, uh, you know, all of the vast, um, you know, different kinds of cannabis medicines. And then, and I think what what the TGA and and the state governments are setting up is eventually legalization for recreation, and and I do think that that's that's going to happen. I think it'll happen, you know, worldwide mm. at, at some point um, because it's just not a dangerous medication. It has very little um, toxicity um, as opposed to other of the, of the psychoactive um, medicines. To, uh, cannabis is the lowest toxicity. I mean, in other words, you, you really can't, um, overdose, um, mm. and dependency is very low in it. It's, it's not a gateway drug, mm. you know, it's less uh, addictive than coffee. Mm. And, and, and so, so therefore it's, 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 uh, the pro- prohibition has done a real disservice to cannabis as a medicine. So I think that you'll see at some point, you know, in the next, you know, my prediction is around five years, we may see it being recreational. Wow. What would that mean then for the, um, um, additional application of it, there would still be room for there for, for, for prescription of, marijuana or cannabis, medicinal cannabis to, to those patients in specific, those specific cases, because they're, they're looking to get a a specific result out of it, I suppose. Would that still, that relationship still be there if recreational? I think so. I'm not sure how exactly it'll be, you know, um, that's really yet to be determined, but I, you know, I'm not sure how, how that'll affect the, the, the medical field in, in cannabis, but, um, I think people, um, will, will demand that, that it's recreational because yeah. it's really not, it's not a dangerous plan. Yeah. Yeah. It's taken a long time for that message to start coming, coming out of the people who have yeah, a, lot, a lot of bias, a lot of bias to overcome my friend. Yeah. A lot of bias, a lot of fear, a lot of misinformation. Um, and one of the great things about the internet nowadays is just the data and information sharing that we've got. And you just cannot keep 
mm. information down anymore. It, it gets out there, you know, and then when the people talk loudly enough, um, things things tend to happen, which is really, really exciting. Um, a little bit of a side note, have you heard about the uh, the clinical trials for psychedelics um, taking place or well, approved in Australia at currently? I think there's about $15 uh-huh. million dollars that's been put towards that. Um, for for research, I think wow. for mental illness and addiction, that's that's super. Yeah. I find that super exciting. I know there's things going on over in the states as well, and I'm assuming other places around the around the world. What, what's your thoughts on all that? No, I mean, it's exciting. I, I love to see it. I think um, you know we need other applications for mental health. You know, mm. because honestly, you know the things that the medications that we have right now aren't, aren't very helpful. You know, um, and I think we need we need to explore those other options. And and it, it's exciting to see that, you know, similarly to, to cannabis, we're, we're seeing, you know, research studies with psilocybin. We're seeing mm. MDMA. We're seeing, you know, um, I think eventually LSD will come back into into favor. And, and you know, others, who, who knows? You know, I think um, once, once you get rid of bias on 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 one taboo, you know, medication or plant, uh, others, you know, others open up. So it's, it's great to see that. I think, I think the applications are really exciting and, you know, I plan to um, explore those certifications and see what I can do to help my patients. Yeah, man, there, there's a book, I'm not sure if you've read it by Michael Pollan called changing your mind. Um, the new science of psychedelics, I think it's called. Um, and he's a legitimate um, uh, research journalist over in the States. And he did this big book on, on on what's going on over there at the moment. He actually went out and tried a bunch of different psychedelics and we did their, um, the uh, sort of therapeutic um, uh, um uh, yeah, in, in, a, in a therapeutic manner for some of them as well, and and just really goes into what's what's happening over there with the research and why things were put on on the shelf for thirty or forty years, as well. And it's really really interesting. So I'm super excited to see what happens with that because, like you say, some of the medications for for mental illness aren't really great. It's a, it's a huge compromise for a lot of people and for sometimes very little uh you know very little payback and even when things do work they tend to work for a certain period of time and then they change and people have got to chop and change what they're what they're using and 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 um yeah and and there can be some quite some some big compromises for people when they when they're using those um harsher medications and, and what it does with their body especially you know yeah, I've got people in my family who've used those things um, extensively for for many years, and you see the ups and downs they go yeah. with. And living in a rural town, up in up in the you know, in Port Hedland, um, getting continuity and care can be quite difficult sometimes as well. So it's really great to see some op- some options being explored because um, again, something that's Isn't not it? yeah something that's not super physically dangerous for people. Um, the toxic you know the toxicity levels, and as you talk about. Um, the chance of, of overdosing on those things, you know, it's not really uh, um, uh, on specific um, substances anyway. It's not really um, um, a problem. And the, 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 the problems that people are living with now and trying to deal with are pretty bad. So, you know, you've got to explore other options, I, I believe. So it's great yeah, to see yeah. that happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and dependency is a big thing. You know, some of those medications that are highly prescribed are very dependent and, and, and not very nice and, and doses escalate. And, mm. you know, that, that doesn't um, help people's quality of life in the end. And, you know, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. Quality of life. And 
yeah, it's great to see some some other options being explored. It's a pretty exciting time, really. And like I said, you're at the forefront of the the medical cannabis um, uh, fight in Australia, which is pretty cool, man. And I, I bet that is really exciting. And and just seeing seeing things. Um, I mean, I bet it's a lot of work keeping on top of all the the, the changes and, uh, and <laughs> updates. But yeah, uh, I'm sure it, it keeps you it keeps you pretty excited and motivated most days, which is cool. It does, man. It keep, keeps me busy, definitely. Um. So, what are we? I'm just reading my notes here, making sure we've sort of covered everything I had written down there. Um, I think that I've gone over most of the things I really wanted to get wanted to get um, off my chest and, and make sure I, I chatted to you about. Is there anything specifically you'd like to bring up? I, I think there might have yeah. been, you know, a, a couple of issues that are that are um, you know very important um, having to do with medicinal cannabis. I think number one is, is, you know, the standardization of THC in driving, Mm. um, you know, as it stands right now, patients who have any kind of THC in their saliva and in their bloodstream, no matter what, if they've taken it, you know, a day or two before, um, they get their driver's license taken away and that's just not right. Mm. Um, you know, we, 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 we need a standardization of THC in order to, to prove if a patient is altered and able to drive their car. Um, so that there's a big, there's a big campaign called drive change right now. And I would encourage your listeners to take a look at it and, and, um, really educate themselves on the issue and, and, um, you know, write to their, or call their, uh, their MPs and make sure that, um, they are doing the right thing in order to get that changed. And the second thing that I'd like to just mention is, you know, really veteran, um, access to medicinal cannabis for mental health issues. As it stands right now, the DVA doesn't rebate, um, medicines like medicinal cannabis for PTSD. Mm. You know, I've got a patient, um, who, who tried all those medications, mate, um, those mental health medications and, and was in a bad way, was in and out of hospital and, and really not, not doing well. And as he states was a zombie. And when, when he tried medicinal cannabis and, and actually recreational cannabis first, before he was able to access medicinal cannabis through me, it changed his life. And, um, you know, he's, he's, you know, back to being a functional, you know, person. And so I think it's really important that although we don't have the data yet to, to prove that medicinal cannabis is, um, helpful for those veterans, you know, that the DVA, um, takes a look at it on an individual basis. And so that's kind of what I'm doing for my patients who are veterans who have PTSD is trying to help them access medicinal cannabis if they need it. So, yeah, man, those are two really, really hot topics right now. I think drive change is number one and and really uh, veteran access to medicinal cannabis might be number two. Now, with that drive uh, change, they're doing swab tests at the moment, right? And and so what's what's going on, on with that? You're saying they can be um, lose their license if they've if they've had THC the day before, two days before, something along, along those lines. So how so, how do so they... even even if they have even if they... I'm sorry, buddy. No, Go you're ahead. right. It's the Zoom. It's the Zoom, mate. Where there's a, bit, a little bit of a delay sometimes. So so if they they do a swab test. They they test it. They can see there's um, there's THC present there, and they can obviously tell 
how much, how strong that is. So that you would, would be able to tell if that was this was ingested 48 hours ago, 24 hours ago, or you know, an hour before you started driving. Is that is that what you're saying? And but there's a blanket rule if there anything shows up. That's correct. You lose your but, license. But it's it, it's it's not how much it's positive or negative. It yeah. doesn't matter if it's in yeah. their bloodstream or in their saliva. They get they have their license taken away and they have an offense on their record. Yeah. So that's just not right. And mm. you know people who who have a prescription who with a TGA approval with a state health department approval, you know who maybe decide not to take their medicine in the morning in order to drive to their doctor's office and they get swabbed on the way, they can have their license taken away. And that's just not right. Yeah, no, it's not. So what's the options for that? Is it just getting better testing and then being able to, to, to look at levels? Yeah, I mean, you look at, um, you know, t- Tom Arkell and, and the group at Lambert Initiative who have, who have done a lot of work with not only cannabidiol but um, THC, you know, they've, they've now seen that CBD has no effect on driving, but Mm. THC has an effect on driving anywhere from three to eight hours. So with that data, I expect them to, to make a testing, um, somehow in order to standardize it, where you would have a certain level that affects your driving and a certain level that doesn't just like alcohol. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's really the goal, um, where it's not a positive or negative, but a certain level where, where you're able to operate machinery or not. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can be pulled into the random breath testing truck and say, have you had any alcohol today? You say, yeah, mate, I had a beer before I left, um, the, you know, before at a mate's house before I left and, and they, they'll be able to tell you, you know, worries you've had a beer in the last hour. That's fine. You can, you can drive home, not a problem. And then all of a sudden people are getting any sort of, um, yeah. cannabis show up and getting losing their license. Yeah. That's, that's not right. And you, so it's, it's more of, exactly. and what you're saying with this issue and the veterans issue, what people can do is, is show their support, keep pressure on the government and things like that. So they understand, and the general public, we care about this stuff. We were, and that that the, the pressure's there, um, so that they they start doing the right thing and and pushing things along from their end. Absolutely, it's about our it's about our voice, you know, as voters and changing legislation because it's it's not the politicians that run the country; it's us, man. Yeah, well, it should be definitely. Yeah. That's great, man. Great to hear. And and again, I just can't say how much I'm so happy that these things are starting to happen because for the longest time, uh, alcohol has been legal and taxed and 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 um, socially acceptable. And we know that that's a dangerous drug when not used correctly, and it is a drug. And people die drink driving and from alcohol related incidences all the time. Cigarettes, one of the worst things in the world, um, you know, and they're everywhere and the, mm-hmm. the government taxes them and you can sell them freely. And again, being socially acceptable for the longest time and then things that can help people out and are really quite benign have just been completely blackballed. And uh, it's just quite crazy that that's stood for so long. And again, but with, with um, things people uh pushing the the forefront that really fighting that fight and the information sharing you know that we've got now with the internet and um people like yourself out there doing the work guys like the canter podcast and plenty of other people out there who are who are gathering all that information talking to experts talking to people who know what's who know what's going on in the field and getting that information out there things are are definitely changing and um yeah i'm stoked to see it stoked to hear times are changing buddy yeah. Times are changing and people, people are educating themselves, you know, and, um, that's really important so that we, we overcome, you know, really the bias and, and the misinformation 
on cannabis, you know, because, uh, you know, it, it is a, a very helpful, it can be a very helpful, um, medicine. So, um, good on you, man. I appreciate you uh, spreading the good word. Nah, beautiful, mate. I really appreciate your time. Thanks again for this one, mate. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. And I just encourage your listeners to educate themselves and, and look into this and, and, uh, maybe we can, we, we can make a difference. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks very much, Maddie.